You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning, everybody. How are we doing? Doing good? Aloha, welcome. If you haven't met me, my uh, name is Riz. I'm the pastor here at Reality Honolulu, and just blessed um, every Sunday to be able to fellowship and uh, encounter the Lord and in His Word with you guys every week. And so, uh, without further ado, we're going to get into the Word of God this morning. So, if you have a Bible, um, turn to Exodus chapter 30. Um, Exodus chapter 30 and 31 is going to be our text today. And uh, as always, I want to encourage you guys to open up your Bible yourself to, to know that we're not making this stuff up and you get used to reading the Bible on your own. But if you don't have one, don't have a Bible, uh, the table's in the back as you walk in. Those black Bibles are for you to borrow or if you don't have a Bible to take and it's yours as a gift. But if you've been with us, we've been in the book of Exodus, right? And we're going to jump right into some texts that can be weird if you haven't been with us, or just strange or confusing. We're going to give you a recap after we read the text. But again, we're just unpacking um, these instructions that God is giving his people, um, the children of Israel. Um, but most weeks, due to the length of our text, like we're almost doing two chapters today, we have different brothers and sisters from the body um, read. And this morning, I want to invite up a dear sister and servant of the Lord, uh, Dr. Erica Chun. Come on up, doctor. The text is really hard, to be honest, so we just need a doctor to read it. Thank you. No pressure. Okay, good morning, everybody. All right, we're starting with atonement money. Then the Lord said to Moses, when you take a census of the Israelites to count them, each one must pay the Lord a ransom for his life at the time he's counted. Then no plague will come on them when you number them. Each one who crosses over to those already counted is to give a half shekel according to the sanctuary shekel, which weighs 20 geras. This half shekel is an offering to the Lord. All who cross over, those 20 years old or more, are to give an offering to the Lord. The rich are not to give more than half a shekel to the poor and not to give less when you make the offering to the Lord to atone for your lives. Receive the atonement money from the Israelites and use it for the service of the tent of meeting. It'll be a memorial for the Israelites before the Lord, making atonement for your lives. Basin for washing. Then the Lord said to Moses, make a bronze basin, for with its bronze stand for washing, place it between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it. Aaron and his sons are to wash their hands and feet with water from it. Whenever they enter the tent of meeting, they shall wash with water so that they will not die. Also, when they approach the altar to minister by presenting a food offering to the Lord, they shall wash their hands and feet so that they will not die. This is to be a lasting ordinance for Aaron and his descendants for the generations to come. Anointing oil. Then the Lord said to Moses, take the following fine spices, 500 shekels of liquid myrrh, half as much of fragrant cinnamon, 250 shekels of fragrant calmus, 500 shekels of cassia, all according to the sanctuary shekel 
and a hint of olive oil. Make these into a sacred anointing oil, a fragrant blend, the work of a perfumer. It'll be the sacred anointing oil. Then use it to anoint the tent of meeting, the ark of the covenant law, the table, all its articles, the lampstand and all its accessories, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering and all its utensils and the basin which it stands. You shall consecrate them so that they will be most holy and whatever touches them will be holy. Anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them so they may serve me as priests. Say to the Israelites, this is to be my sacred anointing oil for the generations to come. Do not pour it on anyone else's body and do not make any other oil using the same formula. It is sacred and you are to consider it sacred. Whoever makes perfume like it and puts it on anyone other than a priest must be cut off from their people. Incense. Then the Lord said to Moses, take fragrant spices, gum resin, onica, and galbum, and pure frankincense, all in equal amounts, and make a fragrant blend of incense, the work of a perfumer. It is to be salted and pure and sacred. Grind, it, grind some of it to powder and place in front of the ark of the covenant law and tent of meeting where I will meet you. It shall be most holy to you. Do not make any incense with this formula for yourselves. Consider it holy to the Lord. Whoever makes incense like it to enjoy its fragrance must be cut off from their people. Bezel and Oholiab. Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezel, son of Uri, son of Ur, of the tribe of Judah, tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills, to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. Moreover, I have appointed Oholiab, son of Ahisamach, of the tribe of Dan, to help him. Also, I have given ability to all of the skilled workers to make everything I have commanded you. The tent of meeting, the Ark of Covenant Law with the atonement cover on it and all the other furnishings of the tent. The table and its articles, the pure gold lampstand on all its accessories, the, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering and all its utensils, the basin with its stand and also the woven garments, both the sacred garments for Aaron the priest and the garments for his son when they serve as priests and the anointing oil and fragrant incense for the holy place. They are to make them just as I commanded you. The Sabbath. Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, You must observe my Sabbaths. This will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come, so you may know that I am Lord who makes you holy. Observe the Sabbath because it is holy to you. Anyone who desecrates it is put to death. Those who do work on that day must be cut off from their people. For six days work is to be done, but the seventh day is the day of Sabbath rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day is to be put to death. The Israelites are to observe the Sabbath, celebrating it for generations to come as a lasting covenant. It will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever. For six days the Lord made the heavens and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. When the Lord finished speaking to Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave him the two tablets of the covenant law, the tablets of stone inscribed by the finger of God. Thank you, Erica. Uh, this is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. 
And God, we, we take it as your word, as God breathed and God inspired and profitable for us as we hear it for teaching and correcting and rebuking and training us so that the man and women of God might be adequately equipped for every good work. And, and so, God, we want to place ourselves under the authority of your word today. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would give us understanding to what this means for us. What are you doing here, God? What are you saying in the text? Um, how does it show your character? How does it apply to us? God, we want to have understanding to it. You preserved it so that we today, even thousands of years later, um, that you can speak to us. It's for us today. We believe that. And we ask, God, that you would anoint our time, that I I would be your mouthpiece, that you would communicate what you want to communicate to us through my lips. Um, Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if you've been with us, you know that we've kind of been digging into a lot of these, like, can be strange details or intricate detailed descriptions specifically of the tabernacle, right? The tabernacle housed the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the presence of God. And this tabernacle was kind of like a mobile tent. And it was this big, ornate tent that was, that was placed in the center of the camp of the Israelites. Backing up a little bit even further... The Israelites were freed from Egypt, right, miraculously by God. Now they've been in the desert, the Sinai Desert, and now they're at the steps of Mount Sinai, and they're, they're spending about a year there, camped out on the base of this mountain on the Sinai Peninsula. And currently what's happening is Moses is up on the mountaintop before God, and he's receiving the law. He's receiving instructions from God of how these people, his people, the Israelites, are to live. But what we've been doing is like digging into like the ornate details of the life of Israel and the tabernacle, and specifically what we just read, um, was part of the priesthood. The priesthood are, you know, from the tribe of Aaron, the, these men that were picked out from birth, and they were the ones that were to tend and work the sacrifices and all the inner workings of this tabernacle, of this tent of meeting that housed the presence of God. And what's happening even in our text today is Moses, again, right, he's, he's receiving the law, the Ten Commandments, instructions of how Israel is, ought to live. And if you remember a few weeks back, maybe a month ago now, we studied the law, the purpose of it. What are all these instructions, God? Why, why are you giving these ways of life to, to these, this people group? And if you remember, the reason why God is doing this is that these people, The purpose of God rescuing Israel from Egypt, taking them into the promised land, is that Israel was to be the vehicle to show God's love to the world. It was the primary vehicle that would start showing the love of God and the person and the character of God to the other pagan nations, to, to the world around them that did not follow Yahweh. And so these people, their lives were to stand out and live differently in the midst of a very perverse world. And so they're being formed. What what this time in the books of, of Exodus is showing us is there's these people that don't naturally love God. They've been in slavery for 400 years by lineage Um, they once knew God, but they've been kind of far off. They've been in slavery. They have not known God. 
But now they're becoming to know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the, the God of their forefathers, the creator God. And so they're learning what it means to live as people of God. They've been brought out of slavery into a covenant relationship with their God. And what's happening is they're getting instructions here of what it means. What does that mean? What should our life look like? What should our actions look like? What are our ethics supposed to be? Should we do that? Should we not do that? They're being formed into a people that are very different than the rest of the world around them. But what we're going to do today is we're actually going to concentrate on the end of chapter 31 that Erica just wrote, uh, excuse me, just read about the Sabbath. So this idea of the Sabbath, right? For some of us, this may be weird or foreign, maybe some that grew up in the church or maybe have some theological understanding. This maybe is not weird. But once again, the Sabbath, right, is birthed. We need to understand this. In a very ancient Jewish culture, a culture unlike ours, very different, millennia ago. And it may be hard to know what to do with it. A lot of times we read the Old Testament or, or sections of Exodus like this, and it can be so confusing that we just go, ah, let's just skip it. How does it apply? I don't know. That was then. This is now. Let me just go to the New Testament. It makes more sense. The Old Testament is for today, it's for us, it's still potent, it's still God's word, and uh, we may be even questioning, you know, what do we do with the Sabbath? Are we even supposed to still practice this? This is what we're going to dig into today. Because the majority of, of us are, are non-Jewish, right? We're Gentiles, we're grafted into the kingdom of God by Jesus, and we're living as Christians several millennia later. And so the Sabbath, like other spiritual practices, can be hard and confusing to know what to do with. And so because we don't know what to do with them, we just kind of ditch it, unless we're told otherwise. So here's the points that I want to work through. These are some questions or some, some things we're going to work through. Number one is, what is the Sabbath? What is this talking about? What is it? Number two is, what was God's purpose in telling Israel to observe it? Number three, how Jesus dealt with Sabbath in the New Testament. We're going to look at that. And then, is the Sabbath still for us today? Should we be observing it? Should we be Sabbathing in the same way that God told Israel here in Exodus? Okay, so number one, what is the Sabbath? So if we look at the Old Testament... It's actually one of the Ten Commandments. It's a day of rest usually observed from Friday evening, Friday sundown, to Saturday sundown. And it was a day set apart by God for rest for his people. To boil it down, the Sabbath day or the Sabbath day of rest is for replenishment, for refreshment, and for rest. Simply, it was a day that work was supposed to be ceased and a resting or refreshment was to come from God. That is what the Sabbath was, very simply. But again, why did God tell Israel to observe it? What was the purpose? Sounds good, but why did he do this? And again, like we've been talking about, it's so important. If you want to find something out in Scripture, a good place is to go to the start. The first couple chapters in Genesis creation. 
So if you remember in the creation narrative of all that came to be, we believe that we as humans, right, are created in the image of God. You could say we're image bearers, imago Dei. We bear the image of God. That's our created order. As human beings, we're created in the image of God to reflect and model God's character. So if that's true, then what did God do in the creation story? Right, Genesis 1. We read all about that God spoke the world into existence in six days. And, and it was all good. I mean, he created everything, the sun and the moon and the animals and the water and the land, every created thing God spoke into existence. But then what did God do on the seventh day? He rested. It took six days to create the world, and it's very specific in the text there that God spent a day resting. Right, Genesis 2, verse 1 and 2. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day, and he made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that, ha that he had done. That seventh day, that day of rest, is the Sabbath that here in Exodus is talking about. So even looking at the creative nature of the world and of the universe... Built into the nature and fabric of creation is the idea of rest. But we, but we not only were created to rest, we, we were created to work as well. Both. God created us to both work, but also to rest. We see that also in Genesis 2, 16. The Lord took the man, he put him in the Garden of Eden... To do what? To work it and take care of it. So, so right after like the creation narrative, God says, humanity, I've actually made you to work, to get your hands dirty and actually to work hard. God made us to work. And what's so unique here, what, what, is, what is humanity's like first task? It's actually to steward land. Like, we're to be stewards of creation, right? So our first ancestors, Adam and Eve, were farmers. They were caretakers of this very good land and creation that God had created, created to work. And that's why I actually can make a case of why Christians should actually be on the front lines of caring for the land, like in our earth and our environment. Like, we should absolutely be involved in ways of malama aina. Because that's actually what we were created to do. To care for the land in which God has given us to sustain life. That, that's God's intended design pre-sin. Like, sin messed this all up. But God's picture is that we would actually work the land and care for the land and steward the land. And so in Genesis here, it says that we're designed to work hard six days a week. So that's, good. that's a good work ethic. God's like, yeah, I want you to work hard. But I do not want you to miss out what you're supposed to do for a seventh of the week. You're supposed to rest hard. Like you're supposed to like play hard, rest hard type of thing. 
This is what God is saying. There's a time to work and there's a time to rest. And even the idea that God says that we need to rest communicates the fact that as humans, we have limitations. This is also really important that we understand this. Right? God has created us with limits. I know that we think like we can do anything. That's not true. We're not invincible. We, we need to know that we, that we need God. Like, like we're not supposed to be able to do everything all the time and not stop. It's actually not God's design. It's not good. It's not healthy. God has intentionally given us limits so that we are always aware that we're in need of God. Right? By design, our whole being is to be cared for by God and dependent upon him. Like for our very needs, physically, spiritually, emotionally, and mentally, God has designed them and he sustains us as well. And in Genesis, we just read, and also here in Exodus, throughout scripture, we see rest, not only modeled by God, but given by God as a commandment, and then practiced by God's people. To sum this up, the people of God are instructed to live into their God-given limits and receive rest and refreshment from their God. This is such a potent message for 2019. So many of us are coming into this room like burnt out and overworked and like just exhausted. There's parts that we just have a lot of responsibility and I get that. But, but part of it is we're just maybe not resting enough. So this is for us today. Okay, okay. So this is, that's God's design. That's why he gave it. That's what it is. But then what's strange is how Jesus dealt with it. It's actually pretty strange when we get into the New Testament. Jesus was a little weird when it came to the Sabbath. So knowing these things, um, it's kind of jarring how Jesus dealt with the Sabbath because most interactions that Jesus had in the Gospels with the religious leaders would almost seem like Jesus was against it or not for it. It's very different than the Old Testament in a lot of ways. Jesus was a lot of times rebuking them for keeping it in the way that they were. He was always correcting them from observing the Sabbath religiously like they were. Well, Jesus wasn't against it. But rather, he was against the way that these religious leaders were practicing it. See, they were very legalistic. They were very strict in how they observed it. They were observing this day so rigid that it became a problem, and they are actually missing the point of encountering God. Right? These guys were so intent of not working in this 24-hour period that when Jesus began to do, Jesus, God in the flesh, began to do miraculous things and heal the multitudes and raise people from the dead and make the blind see, they gave Jesus a gun in his face about it. Jesus, what are you doing? How can you do that right now? Like they're completely missing the point of the Sabbath. God is moving in front of them and, and, and these religious legalistic leaders are saying, stop, what are you doing? Don't do that. You shouldn't be doing that. See, 
Jesus wasn't against it. But what he's trying to do as he's correcting them there is he's trying to remind them of the point of the Sabbath. If there was ever a time that someone missed the point, it was these religious leaders with the Sabbath. Completely missing the purpose of why God would give a day for his people to encounter his presence to receive rest. Again, the Sabbath was intended for us to rest Enjoy and experience God and his creation. And what Jesus in the New Testament was doing over and over and over, if you read the Gospels again, you'll see it, is that he was confronting this human tendency that they had and, and, and we also do to make something glorious, to make something gracious and freeing into a set of rigid religious rules that we have to hear, adhere to. Something good and glorious and wonderful that God had for his creation. They were messing with it. They were sticking so much to the rules of what it should be. They were missing out on God himself. And that's why Jesus would say to them, Mark 2, 27, he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. What that means is that God gave us the Sabbath to bless us, not for it to be a burden by more rules in our life. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Again, Jesus wasn't against the Sabbath, but rather reminding, of it, reminding them of its true purpose. Are you with me? So with all of that, is the Sabbath still for us today? Here's why there's actually no concrete answer to that. There's much debate, many books. Um, people swing both ends of the spectrum and everywhere in between. If the Sabbath, it's written about in Exodus that we just read, that's detailed in the creation account, still for today. The big reason is, is there's really no New Testament command to do it. Not in the same way as the Old Testament. Right? It's in the Old Testament, but it's not really reaffirmed or supported in the New Testament other than really Jesus' interactions in the Gospels. So, does that mean that it's null and void then? I would say no. Here's why in part I think that. Just because the New Testament doesn't make it a command to obey doesn't mean that voids it out or is not purposeful. Because also it's a little weird that it would be one of the Ten Commandments, but now we're not supposed to adhere to one of the Ten Commandments. Right? So does that mean that like the no other gods before you, we can murder now, we can commit adultery now? That, that, that logic doesn't really fit. So just because it's not strongly commanded to, to obey in the New Testament, I would say that that doesn't negate the fact that there's still purpose in the Sabbath in our life. Secondly, why I think that the Sabbath in, 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 in some part is still for today is I think there's wisdom in it. Like, I think there's wisdom in this idea of rest for humanity. Again, that's because God's heart is for us to rest, and he's actually given us limits to remind us to rest. Right? We see God's desire for his 
creation is to renew and replenish and refresh us. And God has always made time for this. He did it himself, and he's instructing his people to make time here in Exodus. And again, Sabbath or rest isn't just supposed to be when you burn out and it's too late. Extended rest is actually always been built into the normal rhythms of life. God says one-seventh of your week needs to be like real true rest. And also I would say it's wisdom because it's in line with God's heart how he created creation. Right? There's a night and a day. Animals sleep in our rest. As well as God himself modeled this. And so it would be logical that we also, with all of creation, need to have proper time for this. And so I think wisdom would say that we should, there should be some type of Sabbath built into our lives. The reason why I say some type is because I think the, the Sabbath is still wise and good, but practically, I think the Sabbath can look differently depending on your personal convictions. Right, I have good friends of mine that see it as a very strict 24-hour Sabbath, and there's certain practices they do, and there's really, like, no, they don't see people, and they don't do things, and so for them, like, it's a really important deal, and these guys are theologically sound. But again, I think there's room to have grace in our own personal convictions. I think there's different schools of thought. But in my opinion, when I see scripture, when I read scripture, I think some type of extended length of rest, rest and refreshment weekly is needed for all of us. Again, not just when you're burnt out, not just when you say, oh, I need a vacation. You need that too. But weekly, there should be strategic built-in times so you don't always get into the place where you're burnt out and over it and exhausted to the point of, of not coming back. I know that most of us are, are sitting here in our day and age thinking, you're crazy. Right? Anywhere near a whole day doing nothing. Do you even know my life? Do you understand how much responsibility and busyness that I have? And yeah, I, I completely relate. And especially in our day and age, this can, this can be like the most foreign thing in the whole world. Like maybe seem impossible to even comprehend or even do. But I would venture to say that's exactly why the Sabbath is needed more than ever. Because we're so busy and we're so prone to fill our time. Like we have so much trouble being still. Right? The modern world we live in, 2019, it's go, go, go. It's always connected. There's always something we could do. We have become excellent at becoming workaholics. For me, I, I learned how to be a workaholic at an early age. Um, in high school... I worked at an incredible place called In-N-Out Burger, if you're familiar with that, from California. So uh, I worked throughout high school. I'm really proud of it, In-N-Out Burger. And, uh, but, but like early on, they tell you. It's, it's a thing. You get in trouble. 
if you don't keep working. I'm talking like every second of every minute. And, and their motto, like they get their money out of you. Their motto is, if there's time to lean, there's time to clean. <laughs> like that's it. Like there's not, it's not busy, you can clean that. No, but there's no cars, like there's no orders. Nope, there's things to do. There's things to do always. There is no time to rest and you're going to work when you're on the clock. It's good. It's good. But also, literally, it messed me up. It literally messed me up. Too much. Too much. Because now I'm always thinking, I can't rest. i got to be purposeful of my time. i gotta, I got to fill it. I can't sit down. I can't rest. I can't do nothing. Messed me up a little bit. Also, right, a, a, a term in, in Japanese, is it karoshi? I don't know if I said it right. Amy? Kind of? Okay. She helped me before. Um, so karoshi is this term in Japanese created because there's so many people in Japan literally dying of overwork. Karoshi. Death by overwork. Like, that's where, we've, that's where we're at. Like, we're having to develop vocabulary because we're working ourselves to death. It is not God's created order that we do this. Right, rest and taking time off in our world, like saying no to obligations, getting out of things to promote rest, can be really frowned upon. Like, right? Like, oh, I can't get out of that. I can't, like, say no to that. Like, I can't, like, build in rest to my life. But we have limitations. We have God-given limitations. And so that, those ideas aren't from the Lord. We actually even love these sayings of like, oh, I'm burning the candle at both wicks. Oh, I'll rest when I die. Right? I'll sleep when I die. Like, this is a thing. And don't get me wrong. Like, having a good work ethic is great. Like, it's built in creation. Like, we're supposed to be working six days a week. Like, we're not supposed to be lazy. But I hope that you can see that all of this is so foreign and not in line with the character and heart of God for us. To die by overworking and to burn the wick and never have rest. God says it is good and right and I've designed you to rest. And if you don't, there's going to be repercussions to you physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. You're going to end up in a place that I did not design for you. I don't want you to burn out. I don't want you to overwork. I don't want you to be burdened like that. I don't want you to be crushed by, by, by the weight of life. I want you to come away with me. This is Jesus talking now or whatever, God. I want you to come away with me so that I can refresh you and give you rest. And you need to unplug and get away by the cares of your word. And you need to come with me so I can fill you up so you can do the next six days. This is the idea of the Sabbath. So practically, what could this look like? I think we can agree that rest is good and we need more of it. But what could this look like? Well, I'm careful to, to like put too much structure or be too dogmatic about it because that's exactly what the Pharisees did. They did too much of that and so they missed the point. I don't think it needs to look like a strict 24 hours like sundown Friday night to sundown Saturday night. Don't do anything again, like I said. If that's your conviction, go for it. There's grace there. But I think a takeaway for all of us, because I don't want to put that on you and, and like you leave right now being like, wow, I, you just put like the yoke of bondage on me that I like somehow have to like change my whole life to do nothing for 24 hours. Like literally that's harder than like climbing Mount Everest. I get it. 
But I think a takeaway for us today should be this. We need to be wise with our bodies and our time and our limits. We need to strive to steward it well. Like we have to build in rest and enjoy God and his creation, his nature and other people. And self-care is biblical. Like I know we like get, no, I can't, I can't do that. It's all about other people. You're not going to be able to love other people well unless you actually take care of yourself first. If you burn out, then you're not loving anybody. And so it's actually good and right. And God says it's built into your week that you need to, to come away with me so that I can refresh you and be with you. And again, this is rooted in the Sabbath that God wants to care for us and refresh us and renew us so that we can be connected with him and fruitful for other people in our life. We have to have rest in the normal rhythms of our life or else we'll get burnt out and irritable and broken and overworked. I'm sure there's like majority of us in here that if we're honest, we put ourselves in that boat. But what I also want to encourage us with, I'm almost done by the way, especially if this is super foreign to you and overwhelming and strange, I want to encourage you this morning, like start small, have grace on yourself and be a realistic and make it not burdensome or weird to your life. Like we have to be realistic with this. Like it's really expensive to live here in Hawaii. Like most families, both spouses are working. We've got kids. Like maybe, maybe if you're single, you have free time, but probably not. Like you're working like extra jobs just to survive here. Right? We have kids and responsibilities and stuff and bills to pay. And so this is not easy to do or find time. And so I want to encourage us to start small. Start, like, don't be overwhelmed right now and think you like, how do I find 24 hours? Like, maybe it's a part of a day off. Maybe you got to work with your spouse to, like, share the load of the kids or responsibilities on a day off if you have one together. Like, hey, can I have a couple hours in the morning? You have a couple hours in the afternoon just to, like, get refreshed and rested? Like maybe, maybe it's something like that. We, we have to be creative and flexible. But during that time, I'm encouraging all of us to do this actually. This is what I'm saying. <laughs> during that time that you're going to find in your week to steal a couple hours away, you can do it. During that time, don't, you're not supposed to work. No emails. I would encourage you no phone. I know, you're like, wow. Take off your Apple Watch. Sil not si just turn off your phone. It's fine. It's going to be okay. Instagram will still be there. The email, he'll be there. Just tell your significant other where you're going. Turn off your phone and be present with God and others. Again, it doesn't mean that you have to be alone. Like, God wants you to enjoy his creation. That means other people nature. We live in Hawaii. Go to the beach. Take a hike. Like enjoy him and his creation and his people. But don't work. Don't be burdened. Allow him to refresh you and renew you and give you rest. That's God's design for you. Like God wants you to enjoy time with him and his creation. So like what fills you up? Like what's going to renew you? Do that. God created it. Go ahead and do it. Unless it's sin. Don't do that. 
But during our Sabbath times, I want to encourage us to remember the purpose. The purpose of the Sabbath is trying to, what is trying to accomplish between you and God is to refresh, renew, and restore your body. Spiritually, emotionally, physically, and mentally. So I want to encourage you this morning to make changes and steps to cultivate and foster this in our lives. And what I hope that you take away today is seeing God's heart. God doesn't want you to die by overwork. God doesn't want you to burn the wick at both ends. Like God doesn't want you to live life so exhausted all the time that you just hate it. And I get it. I have young kids too. Like I was up at like 3 and 4 a.m. last night. My little man. It happens. Like we're exhausted from that. But God's heart and design is bringing, trying to bring us back to his original design. Is to walk with him and be with him and to rest with him. And Jesus wants to free us from overwork and our burdens today. And he wants to bring rest to us. That's why in Matthew 11, I'll end with this. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Jesus is saying this to us today. Come to me. Come to me, all who are worry, excuse me, weary and burdened. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you're anything like me, I so deeply want the rest that God desires to give me. So I'm going to pray for us today. And during this second set of worship, I would encourage you just to come before the Lord, whether in your seats or the prayer team or on the carpets, like to come before the Lord and say, God, I want to submit my schedule to you. I want to submit my, my job to you, my time to you. I want to, I want to build and rest. I want to meet with you weekly. I don't want to burn out. I don't want to destroy myself. I want to encounter your refreshment. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you that you love us enough to say stop. You are a good father. And you love us like a good father does to his kids. And he sees his kids just burning out. Thank you that you love us enough to say, stop, come away with me. Stop striving and know that I am God. God, this is such a potent message for us here in 2019. We need you to help us. We are so prone to work, work, go, go, always stay connected, always be doing. Would you help us to learn what it means to stop and be still and rest? Teach us this idea of the Sabbath, Lord. Show us in our own lives, with our own families, with our own schedules, how we may build more rest into our schedules on a weekly basis. God, I pray that we wouldn't get tripped up with legalism in this today or religiosity, but we would receive the Sabbath as a blessing. Again, you've created the Sabbath for man to bless us, to refresh us, to give us rest. And Lord, we, we do want to like seek your face in this and take this seriously. And so, God, would you give us wisdom of what this would mean for us?
We thank you, Holy Spirit. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.